it makes me feel like I'm empowered. It like, puts me in a position where it's like nobody can defeat me. And especially taking care of a little girl at that point is just, that's the best compliment I've ever received, to be honest with you. Hey y'all, what up? It's your girl Sasha Diamond. Thank you so much for tuning in to this newest episode. This episode is called Put It All on the Table. So I chop it up with my boy Matthew, who I've known for a very long time, and he is just an impeccable human being, a great man, and he's going to share with us his journey on being a new father in the pandemic, as well as just navigating in Toronto as a black man, and what it looks like for him, and what it looked like growing up as well. So you guys just sit back, relax, tune in, and... Let's get it. Oh, what's up, man? What's up? What's up? What's up? My name is Matthew. I'm from Toronto. You already know. Um, I grew up here. You know, I have five brothers, so I'm sixth. Uh, all boys my mom had. Uh, and I'm here to chop it up with, you know, my homegirl. All about fathers, you know what I'm saying? Like, especially being a new dad. Um, definitely something that we decided to come together and uh, ch- talk about. Absolutely. And I know that you're a new father as well. How old is your baby girl? Uh, 11 months. Uh, she'll be a year next month. Wow. She cancer or Leo? Uh, she's a Leo. Ooh, I like her already. I'm cooked. <laughs> I'm cooked. I know she's going she gonna to fry me for sure. Oh, no. Well, it's because um, I've watched you, you know, over the years with other kids and especially little girls as well. They love you and uh, you're such a loving heart. I know she's going to probably walk all over you for a couple of years, so we're going to have to make sure <laughs> that that doesn't happen. We'll try to help you. Oh, for sure. We'll try to help that. you. I appreciate that, for sure. But what we're here to talk about today, essentially, is just, you know, we're going through a pandemic right now, and we're absolutely, you know, just thrown off by the way that we approach life right now. It's a very big adjustment, and we want to basically just be able to know and understand from a black man here in Toronto, as opposed to, um, you know, we haven't been able to discuss with somebody from here, but we have discussed with a black man from the U.S. what it's like over there, and as a father and raising a young black man. I want to know from you what it's like right now to navigate through the pandemic to be able to raise a young princess. What is this like for you right now to be a parent, be a part of the pandemic, and going through it and just navigating? It is nerve-wracking because it's... uh... When the, pandem- when the pandemic hit, um, they sent us all home from work. So I was home for two and a half months. I got to see my baby girl uh, start crawling a little bit more and trying to put words together. But obviously, it's all babble. But, uh, <laughs> and, um, babble is conversation. Yeah, it's conversation. <laughs> but it's blah, 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 blah. So, you know, it's blah, 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 right back. Um, but it was hard. It was very difficult in the beginning because... It's like you don't know what to do, especially if you're out and about and then you have your hand sanitizer in your car and then you're going to go do groceries. And then it's like you got to bring her with you because, you know, both parents need to be there to just to handle those certain things. Like There might be mm-hmm. things that she needs. And then it was just like, ugh, it was, it was difficult, especially in the early stages. But as time went on, we figured out different ways of handling it. Like, she would go out and do groceries, and then I would go out and do groceries. You're just sharing everything. And, yeah, we would share the task as right. opposed to both of us needing to actually leave. If we needed to leave, it was kind of like you would take a break and you would go. But, you know, come back inside, you wash your hands. 
hand sanitizer. Man, I do so much hand sanitizer. I thought my yeah, hands your hands are drying out, man. Man's are like, <laughs> man's have to stay moisturized. Yeah, like it's yeah. it's it's not even it's not even a game right now. It's it's a hard thing to be able to like constantly remember one yeah. to put the hand sanitizer on, and then you know you're told not to touch your face, not to touch your eyes, and stuff like that. You have a child, and you have to constantly touch your child. Exactly. It's a hard thing to adjust to because seriously this hand sanitizer thing is driving me crazy because you have to have it in your pocket at all times but it's definitely teaching us a different way how to be cleanly although everybody should have been cleanly before but the hand sanitizer was just taking it a step further it would have but at the same time we we gotta should have invested in hand sanitizer um stocks you would have made a billion words but nobody would have thought nobody would have thought or we all just assume that because we're in a first world country we don't face things like a pandemic and things like hunger and all these types of you know issues that are across the globe so i mean we're adjusting right but being a father and having to you know constantly have to teach and you you yourself haven't been through something like this before um having to you're lucky right now i guess that your child is at a stage where they don't want to go outside and you don't have to deal with their boredom you know what i'm saying so i know i know that you're godfather of quite a few so (laughs) how do you feel like the parents are dealing with the your godchildren like going in and out and stuff like that and wanting to go outside and missing their friends you know what i I, at first i thought it was a little bit difficult i think that people were just uh, scared Mm -hmm. to be honest with you but um as time went on, you know, people figure out ways of being creative. Like, if you're creative, you'll find ways to entertain your work. kids. Exactly, because you find ways to entertain yourself. So, I mean, like, I'm always doing something. Like, at home, I'm, like, working on my own stuff right now, like my own podcast um, that I wanted to do for the last two years. Right. But I was like, yo, I'm going to make this shit happen. Yeah. Because... I got all the time in the world right now. This pandemic has definitely been motivation for many. Exactly. Um, gives you an opportunity to sit and think. And it's just like literally breathing room of, okay, I don't have to get up, go to work, do this constantly day to day to day. And then you can be able to sit, think about your goals and actually make the steps and take the steps to create the goal. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's, it's definitely a situation where we're like okay i want to do this how am i going to attain it and then you got to go to work and then you can't think about your dream anymore (laughs) but i'm glad that you're in a space that you're able to sit and think about the podcast and but we'll we'll get into it and talk about what it's about and all of that for you listeners so let's just continue on you know being able to you know navigate through this pandemic and also being a black man you're a black father you're also a black man here in toronto so how does it look for you right now to be just how did it feel to grow up in Toronto as a young black man and you know tell us where you come from and you know where you were raised in in the area in here in Toronto um I was raised in a Parma court uh Victoria Park in Eglinton like I grew up pretty rough you know I had five brothers like I said so you know mom did the best she could but it was always a little bit lesser you know for me in terms of like it was a little bit lesser in terms for um just like what i seen other people have especially in schools or like um like the white kids not like calling them out but that's just what it was you know like i didn't have the best shoes i had like shoes from like payless and stuff like that where they had like nikes and stuff like that so it was def it was definitely difficult when growing up but you you start doing things on your own you know and um i definitely took a hard sense of like 
I gotta get this shit going. Like I gotta get this for me. So mm-hmm. I started working from a young age, from from fourteen. Right. I was working from a young age, and like my mom didn't have to support me anymore. I was buying my own bus tickets. I was buying my own lunch money, like lunch, and like I was like buying my own uh, minutes for phones because those times, you know, it wasn't um, Rogers. There was you, no. Yeah, no. we were doing. You uh, were buying minutes. Minutes, <laughs> <laughs> minutes was it? So um, <laughs> right. You know, I was dealing with my own stuff. You know, and then mm-hmm. obviously. Growing up in the hood, you see different things like selling drugs and, uh, you know, other things that I don't really like to get into just because it's not like, that's not for me any anymore or it wasn't really for me in the first place. But mm-hmm. I just realized that, you know, you got to be a little bit more positive and change your mindset. And I think from a young age, I started to veer in a direction where it was like, okay, yeah, the man are here and they, you know, you're chilling with your brethren and your, your homies, but you've got to grow you got to grow and you, you got to make moves in the right direction. And I think even through those right directions that I was going through, I was making a ton of mistakes. Mm-hmm. And then having a daughter just changed everything. I think once I reached a certain age and I was like, okay, I always wanted kids first and foremost. But as soon as my girl said she was pregnant, that was the day I think something just clicked and it was right done. and it became and, reality and I was on the ball and I'm on the ball and I you don't realize how how crazy it gets until you really sit back and you see yo when I was younger these are the kind of things I used to do like mm-hmm. it's like nah like that's and now I gotta navigate this little one's life for the next 20 years and be like yo you don't want to get into that direction you don't want to mess with guys like how I used to be you know what I mean like these guys aren't the perfect example. If you have a kid with them, you're gonna deal with a lot of, you know, broken. And you don't want and... you don't want that for your daughter. Nah. Like you, you said, see, and you grew up with your father. Did your father nah, no teach dad. you? Okay, no so dad. the the thing is that what men should have as a young man, absolutely, um, is somebody navigating them through what it looks like to feel to feel when you have a broken heart or be able to um, be in a relationship um, in the beginning stages, how to be a gentleman, all these types of things. So knowing that you have a daughter and then knowing that, you know, I was fucked up when I was young, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't treating men's daughters the way they should have been treated. And then to even think that your, your daughter can be a part anywhere close to that type of treatment and be naive to it. That's the worst when a young girl's naive to this behavior and then it becomes a pattern. Um, You know, teaching your daughter, like I have my daughter too, but she is in the age now or at the age now that she will and very closely will be dealing with different kinds of boys and things like that and knowing that she should be confident enough to know what's good and what's not good and to have a man be there to show her what young men should be providing her or what the the beginning steps are. Like I, I'm hoping for you anyway, that, (laughs) you know, you don't, you're, you're not the crazy dad. You're more of the guider. You're more of the one. Cause we, the children, I I know there's a, there's a a heavy argument that people have about, you know, children are not our, ours. Our children are not ours. Our children aren't ours. We are here to guide them. That's we it. cannot own them. Exactly. We we cannot make them do what we want them exactly. to do. We can guide them in the right steps and, you know, teach them good things. Teach them how to be a good hum- human being. Well, ultimately, it's them that has to Yeah, the they make their, their own decisions. Exactly. So at the end of the day, if we can treat them and, and you know, raise them to be outstanding human beings... Yeah. 
And then they pick the most horrible person ever to marry. <laughs> like, these are not things that we can control. But all we can do is guide them in the in the right direction and just hope, you know, you got to, as we take a leap of faith in all things we do in our lives, we have to be able to be open enough to be like, okay, daughter, son, oh, you're sure. off now. Get out the for nest. Sure, for sure, for sure. Oh, my God. But sure. I, I can only imagine what it's like for you with you know your your child's mother as well like being afraid of that because she knows what heartbreak looks like and all these types of things and having to navigate through that so what is it looking like for you knowing that you know the the pandemic is here we're dealing with it it'll pass but after this are there any things that you feel like have opened your eyes to how people are themselves how um you would like to approach certain situations with the way people may be treating your daughter in the future and what she may have to face? Um, people are fucked. <laughs> that's, the first, that's the first answer. Facts, like, bottom line. People are fucked. Like, right. it's, it's... A lot of people are good. Like, I, I don't want to take away from the good character people. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that are good. But the bad apples, man, like... and I guess it's just ignorance. It's not even necessarily, like, they're bad per se, they're just ignorant. And ignorance, you know, you can't see further than what you've created this wall. You <laughs> built this wall of what your understanding of what everything is. And then you can't see further because it's blocking your vision. Right. You gotta break that wall down. And that starts from inside. It doesn't start from the outside. I can't tell you how to feel about certain things. I can, but you're it's all it's up to you to change your own mindset. So mm-hmm. I realize that people are fucked first and foremost. But if I have I'm an optimistic person. I always find room for... I think people have room for change. Absolutely. Um, in terms of the, um, the pandemic and stuff like that and navigating through it and as once this thing passes and how my daughter is going to... How my daughter is going to um, go forth. Like Right now, we're just trying to figure out ways of... Are we going to put her in daycare? Are we going to... Uh, homeschooler like these are questions that are that's questions on many parents minds right now of the list so it's like let's just handle those things accordingly one step at a time Mm -hmm. it's overwhelming if it was up to me i'll just move to a remote island and disappear from everybody (laughs) i swear to god you sound like me that's exactly what i want to do i would just disappear like do you realize that the people okay so here we are handling this pandemic right now us as city folk are dealing with it and handling it differently than people who are literally like 40 minutes away from us who could give a shit they don't care and nothing's coming towards them because they're in their remote house with neighbors that are five to ten minutes (laughs) away from them they don't need to go to the store because they know that store owner is their neighbor from 15 minutes down the street and they don't go nowhere so the peace is what is so important right now like what i've used this time to do is create my space and create my peace and i don't think everybody's taking advantage of I think getting to know themselves, like really sitting in the quiet right now and like, what do I want to do with myself or who am I right now? Which then leads to you acting out because now you're so suppressed from the things that you can do or that you once were allowed to do. Mm-hmm. The things that you were so easily to, oh, let's go to a baseball game. You can't do that because there's no baseball. Right. Everybody's out. Yeah. So you can't even, fe- you're not even. Fe- the things that might have brought you peace exactly. are gone. Yeah. No longer there. Mm-hmm. So now you have to deal with your demons because the demons are speaking through that noise. Right. Because there ain't no noise. Right. And they're knocking on the door and then people just, that's, Facts. that's how it comes down to why you see so much ugliness right now. 
I never I never actually thought of it like that. Like a lot of people are not doing the things that they love or doing the things that distracted them. You see the people that were kind of just moving and moving and moving and moving and constantly busy. Yep. Boom. Everything's cut off. Yep. Now, like you said, you know, they do have to deal with their demons or they have to sit and like actually hear themselves think. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like a situation right now where if you're not balanced or even trying to figure out your balance, some serious negative things are going to transpire from the pandemic for you. And you're not going to be able to navigate in the world post-pandemic. Because, you know, we we are going to get over this. And, you know, if you're staying safe out there and you're making sure that you're taking the the proper precautions and you're not ignoring this, because this is real. Yeah, it's real. I don't don't believe any of this conspiracy stuff that this is a very fake um, thing. And (laughs) nobody's really, (laughs) no, it's not a real thing. And people aren't really in the hospital dying from COVID. No, I believe it. I believe it all. And it's very important that everybody is like taking the precautions. We all have to be here for our children. We have to be here for our families. We can't just slip up and ignore what's going on. So those people that are ignoring what, you know, was making them unhappy pre pandemic, (laughs) it's I'm hoping that people start taking people start taking the steps to, you know, creating some sort of peace for themselves and peace for the people around them. Oh, for sure. That's the most important thing. You got to have peace. You got to be peaceful within here and your mind, you know? Mm-hmm. So if you can find that peace within yourself, then everything else will pattern out, you know? Okay. And then just switching gears with our, you know, our first, I've never dealt with a civil rights movement and I know you haven't. <laughs> so how are you feeling about everything that's going on right now? This is so overwhelming and, it, I know that these things were happening prior to all of us paying attention before George Floyd. Um, it's like it's like it's happening 10 times a day now. It's just being televised a lot more, and it's on social media now. So how are you feeling about all of this? You know what? It's it's There's a lot of feelings. There's good feelings. There's bad feelings. The good feelings... I'll start with the good feelings. Of the collective going for, you know, changes of laws... Not necessarily, let's arrest these guys. Because personally, those guys make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. But we don't know what the outcome's going to be. So let's change laws. That will change now how the police have to handle and interact with the people that they deal with on an everyday basis. Mm-hmm. And they'll have no choice. No choice. Because then, now you're treated like how if I was to kill somebody, they wouldn't question it. They'd throw me in jail. Mm-hmm. That's it. But because he's a police officer... Or just police officers making, killing, doing wrong things. These people now, it's like, oh, we got to get special SIU involved and internal affairs. And But why? You have recordings. You have all these things that are in place that are showing you that these people are making mistakes blatantly and still no changes. So I love the fact that people are out there fighting and everywhere. It's not only in one place. Yes, I love that it's everywhere. worldwide right now. So it's great. I mm-hmm. love it. The bad thing about this thing is... We continually see this thing over and over and over again. We continually see people dying, people being abused, people being harassed. Now the racists even have a voice bigger than what they had before. Mm -hmm. Because now they're like, well, these people are speaking up, then I'm going to speak up too. And then they're like, well, I don't like black people or the N-word. And like for you to use those words and cause some, you know where it comes from. You know how... I'm pretty sure you've had your teachings up until Well, they a know it's point. a derogatory and it comes from a derogatory place and they get really upset when they when we're voicing to them 
listen, we don't like it. You can't say it just because it's in our songs. Yeah. You can't say it. Like, you can't just say the word and then feel like, oh, yeah, this is my homie still as yeah. you're going, <laughs> as you're going. But I know I watched I watched a video um, the other day and the young guy was just talking about, you know, how important it is that we're letting and checking our non-black friends as they're speaking to us because it's it's a part of it. A part of it is our our fault, I'll say, yeah. that we're not checking the people that are around us that are non-black when they're calling us nigga, nigger, whatever, and we're taking it lightly. They have to know that behavior. They should know it's wrong. Don't get me wrong. I, th- I just think that it's a different time. We live in a different time, Sash. Like, mm-hmm. back in the day, like, I, and I hate to use reference of back in the day, but it's the real, like... In the nineties, well, early two thousands, like you wouldn't catch people saying it. They would hold their tongue. Every they would. Time. They if would. they were saying at home by themselves, like who's there to say uh, judge you? Whatever, mm-hmm, do mm-hmm. your thing. But out in public, nobody was saying it. I didn't we, have friends that would like. I was sitting and thinking so, about that. Too. So imagine now that there's so much looseness. There's so much. Oh, you know, this is mine, and I could do this, and oh, he's you know, he's my friend. So I'm gonna. Nah, you can't. That, that shit got to be checked at the door because if right. you're able to use it with such, with no care of understanding of where it comes from, then there's obviously something wrong. And you, that's like a white person saying to me, don't call me cracker. Yet I'm going to use that word constantly, mm-hmm. if, even if it's in the song. In the conversation it. with nah, them, referencing them. It like, doesn't matter. I'm not going to use it. because Yeah, we know it's know derogatory it and we know that it comes from a bad place. Simple. Okay. And and they, but the, the problem is, is that they, they constantly justify, like not, not only white people, there's other, like I was, um, I was in Trinidad. Mm-hmm. I was I I had the first experience of like you see in Toronto we call black indian coolie mm-hmm. right yeah. and people who are black indian here yeah. are cool with yeah. the term coolie so that is I learned very quickly mm-hmm. <laughs> very quickly um when I was there and I called someone coolie cuz I was referencing somebody who was black and and indian mm-hmm. thinking that it's okay mm-hmm. So I made the mistake of calling another race a derogatory term to them, them. and I got checked at the door. Yeah. They told me immediately, don't, that's not a good word here. Yeah. Do not speak like that about a black Indian person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like calling a black person a nigger yeah. or like a slave. Yeah, like it's, yeah, it's yeah, the yeah, same yeah. thing. Yeah. So I, that was my introduction to derogatory words in a race that I am not a part of. Yeah. So getting checked at the door is super important, as you For said. Sure. And then... What didn't sit well with me is that there's other countries that refer to black people as Negroes. Yeah. That's the word. Yeah. And it's still, to this day, a word. Of, um, the things that they sell, it says Negro hair products. Yeah. Or it wow. says Negro this. Or that Negro boy over there. Yeah. And these are like complete English-speaking, very diverse countries, yeah. let's say. So it's it's not we think that we're at a place yeah. in history where we're okay and you're not still going to see these words and there shouldn't be any reason for people speaking these words but it's very apparent and a part of our entire globe where people are still referring to us as niggers and negroes sure. and it's okay and signage is there yeah. so it's okay um something definitely has to be done and, and I'm proud of us as a, a black culture that is finally standing up yeah and saying enough is enough. So I'm super happy about us. You know what I'm also happy about too is seeing all the different races step up and be a part of it too. I think that mm-hmm. that's very 
like important that you see white, brown, uh, Chinese, you know, yeah. all sort of different races that are out there supporting the Black Lives Matter movement. movement yeah. Not so much the organization because who knows where this money is going and I can't speak for people that are at the top because I never know. But mm-hmm. the movement itself, for sure, I, I support you. I commend you. I'm all hands in. Like, let's get this shit going. Let's do this thing together because that's it's going to take everybody's um, hand. Participation, to make this absolutely. Happen, to make this happen. Absolutely. And I, and I believe that it does start with our children yeah. and it's all taught from a young age. And luckily, you know, for many of us, our children don't see color, but it's very important to know that there's a difference and you have to understand that like maybe your young your your young child which may be a, a black child a white child whatever the case is doesn't see another race as a negative thing they mm. see another race as just another race i'm white he's black but we're friends you know like yeah. i i'm hoping that we can continue to teach our children to not see color but understand that there's a difference yeah. and keep it positive yeah. and be able to grow still with that that child or the child's friend or whatever the case is so i'm very proud of us i'm very proud of us and there's definitely some work that still needs to be done oh, sure. but i'm proud of us for stepping up finally and standing up because yeah. this is fucking getting out of hand yeah. it's getting out <laughs> exactly. of hand now so exactly. yeah i just to close off in that topic i am super proud of us We're going to speak on opportunity versus chance. As you are here in Toronto, a black man, I can say growing up in the 90s and in the early 2000s of being a teenager, I'm hearing way too much of there's not enough opportunity. They don't want to give us jobs. I'm black and they don't want to give me this kind of job. Um, Schools for suckers. I don't want to go to school. All these types of things that I hear, not from everybody, obviously, but this is this seems to be a, a place trend. yeah it's it's just a it's it's a trend that doesn't that doesn't need to be existent yeah. it, it's it's not it's not a cool one because there's there there's many men and women who grow up in the hood yeah. that become someone oh, for sure. and if they really want it it's going to happen oh, for sure. bottom line end of story that your struggle becomes your story it just works that way yeah. no not everybody is in the best of circumstances but it's all a mind frame and you know you grow up around friends that you know sometimes you feel sorry for them because their mind frame will never leave the hood so knowing that what is your opinion about opportunity versus chance do you feel like that everyone has the same opportunities or the chance that they might get the opportunity is highly different from the opportunity that they all have just as black men here in toronto i'm a firm believer in preparation Mm -hmm. i'm a firm believer now more so than i was before but in order for you to see opportunity, you have to work for it. There's no way opportunity comes knocking at your door and you're not prepared. Because if somebody comes to me in tomorrow and says, hey, I have $10,000. All you got to do is start your podcast. Here we go. And I'm not ready. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to use that $10,000 to start my podcast. Right. So it's the same thing in terms of jobs and uh, work and all these other things. You have to go to school in order to get an education. That education then leads to you opening way more opportunities. Even if it's not something that you firmly want to do at the given time, you're getting the professional experience that will then help bolster you in the direction of getting the job that you actually want. Mm -hmm. So I'm a a believer in 
there's opportunity everywhere. You've just got to be ready for it when it comes knocking at your door. At the same time, you also have to work for it. Nobody's given anything. I've learned that because I grew up in the hood and I realized that you're never given anything. Nobody gives these, these things to you. Nobody comes knocking at your door and says, hey, here you go. Mm-hmm. You've got to get up and be like, you know what? I got to get up every day and and shower. That's the same way you got to wake up and be like, I got to get up every day and work to whatever it is that I want. Attitude is is the key to everything. And you're... The way that your outlook is and the way your mentality is about even the smallest things, as you said, you know, waking up, taking a shower, making sure you eat or yep. making sure that you take care of your little brother or sister, yep. you know, growing up. Yep. Um, these types of things are so important because you need to that's where it all derives from. Like even if nobody's teaching you, all of us understand responsibility. Yeah. We know what responsibility is. Not all of us have experienced responsibility, yeah. but we know what it means to be responsible for yourself and also be responsible for making sure that you're trying to attain your goal if it's truly something that you want. Exactly. Um, we are not saying in any way that, you know, being in the hood or growing up in the hood takes away from what your mentality can be. Yeah. It's just how bad you want it. Unfortunately, when you do grow up in a hood or in less fortunate um, circumstances or poverty, oh, for sure. it takes a lot more for you to get to that opportunity oh. or wait for the opportunity to, to yes, knock on your door when yep. you're prepared. Um, it's all about the way that you're thinking about it. If you want to, th- if you want to sit and think to yourself, you know, I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to get it. That will come into fruition. fruition for sure. You know, your tongue is a strong thing. Like the way that you speak and the way that you put yourself out there in the universe, the universe it will. Is always listening. Yes, the universe is there and it has your back too. <laughs> yep. So, I know. Um, just having presence in whatever it is you want to do. Just make sure you're prepared, even if it's the smallest things, like. Don't be prepared with an explanation. Be prepared with action. Exactly. You know, so, yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that. <laughs> so, opportunity definitely doesn't knock. Chance, we do people, need to... People have less... The thing is, like, people have less opportunities across the board. For instance, if you do grow up in the hood or if you grow up um, outside into, like, a suburban area, mm-hmm. your chances of succeeding are definitely higher if you're in the suburban area. Absolutely. My thing is that you being in a place of, um, I don't want to say negative, a place of less, like less, just because you have less doesn't mean you can't make more. Mm -hmm, You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like we always had less, but my mom always made more. Like there was always leftovers. Right. It's so weird. Like we didn't have a lot. But how did my mom end up making leftovers? It was just figuring out because ways to make it happen. Right. And if she didn't, then we would be like, you know, we wouldn't have food to eat. Right. We wouldn't have food for the next day. So it's just like your mentality has to look back. When I look back and I really take in my youth, I I commend my mom so much because she worked so hard. Right. Just to make sure that I was okay. So for me, it's like, I've got to give back to that. I've got to make sure that my mom is okay. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't matter. My mom asks me for something, she's getting it. My daughter asks me for something, she's getting it. Because I know the feeling of not having. Mm-hmm. I know the feeling of not getting what I want when I want it. So I'm always going to be the person that, yes, I'm going to spoil my daughter. I'm not even going to front. I'm going to There's nothing her. wrong with that. <laughs> you know, I'm definitely. You're, you're the first step and the first vision of what a man should be. Yeah. And how men should approach her. Yeah. Because 
your daughter's not going to take anything less than what you give her. Exactly. And I think a lot of, a, a lot of men out there that aren't taking care of their children don't understand that when you're not doing that and providing a, providing a situation where your child can rely on you to give her the best or, or give her the things that is expecting of a, a man or a father to her, yeah. then there should be nothing less that she would expect from a man. There would be, never be any, th- th- let's just call it what it is. No fuck boys will ever be able to step to her and be like, let me take you out on a date. Exactly. We're going to go to McDonald's <laughs> without her like, yeah, no, come again. Please. You know, so we like, there's nothing wrong with not having much and being able and trying to provide trying to provide what you can for your kid but it's it starts with dad with the little girls it starts with dad great and kudos to the mothers out there that are standing on their feet and doing what they have to do but you can never replace dad dad is always going to be dad (laughs) and you know if you're daddy's girl wonderful it's like a great place to be in so absolutely i think i think uh little young girls are lucky when dad wants to spoil them and they have no choice but to do that (laughs) but yeah Okay, so we're at the portion of the show where it's called Open Up. So Open Up is the session in the show where our audience member submits a question. And this week, an audience submitted question to Matthew is, when it comes to a relationship, what is the best compliment that you have ever received? And the second part to that question is recognizing your faults. How do you navigate compromise or change in the relationship? So being an incredible father is... Um, probably the best compliment I've received. Okay. Um, just doing my regular job, doing what I'm supposed to do, mm-hmm. and being complimented about it makes me feel like I'll do even better in my relationship because I'm doing so great at the point of just taking care of my everyday duties of being a dad. Right. It makes me feel like. I'm empowered. It like, puts me in a position where it's like nobody can defeat me. And especially taking care of a little girl at that point is just, that's the best compliment I've ever received, to be honest with you. My faults, <laughs> I, I, I guess like for me is that like, I would like to do better in terms of learning my woman's love language. You know what I mean? Like you learn each other's love languages. like Over time. Right? And it's like, not an overnight thing. The big thing is that even though I've been with her for quite some time, you can always go back over them and do it over and over again. Because as time goes on, you change. So today, Things have I, to stay fresh. Yeah. So today I might be this person and tomorrow I might be another person. So you've got to constantly go over those things. And that's one of the things that I would love to do. One of the things that I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. So we are working on that currently. And it it's it's working. <laughs> it's working. It's getting there. It's getting there. It's getting there. Well, how how do you get to compromise? Like, how do you work at compromising? Oh, she just wins everything. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. That's what we do. That's what we do. Honestly, <laughs> compromising takes time. You have to be willing to give. Mm-hmm. That's what compromise is. People think that compromising is, oh yeah, I'm um, I'm taking whatever you're giving me, or like, we're for instance, oh you don't want me to go out tomorrow night, and then. In order for me to go out, I might have to um, take you out to dinner or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so compromise comes at a give and take portion where it's like, if you're not compromising, if you're not 
how do I say it without sounding weird or like I think okay I'll start over mm-hmm. so compromise starts at a point where I'm not just going to say to her whatever it is that she wants to hear yet I am going to make the effort in giving her what she actually needs so I love the fact that we constantly work at listening to each other Mm-hmm. We have to stop talking mid, like, even if I have a thought, it's not necessarily um, listening to uh, rebuttal, but actively listening to what she actually needs. And then saying, I understand that we will work better at making those changes and then actually making those changes. Mm-hmm. That's what compromising is. Right. I think people get it misconstrued because I think they think, okay, you want this, then I give you this. Right? And I'm going to give you half of that. Then, I, you know, that means I'm giving you some of what you're asking for. It's not. It's understanding the other person's needs and then working on those to achieve so that you no longer have to figure out what it is that that person needs. Right. Because today she might ask me for this. And then I just give it to her. Tomorrow she's going to ask me for that. And I just give it to her. As opposed to actually working to make the relationship better. Do you find that with the love languages, the compromise... Of being able to work on what's happening, do you feel like um, love languages change, or do you feel like it kind of adjusts as opposed to fully changing? Some are touch, some are listen, some um, is talking. Yeah. Like, so do you feel like it's changing over it cha- time in your changes, relationship? Oh yeah, for sure, it changes over time. I used to be a person of, uh, I think it, I can't remember. It was like gifts. Like I love to receive material gifts, things. Yeah, but I've learned over time that I'm a person that I need physical. Like, physical touch. Like, I need to hug you. I need to kiss you. I need mm-hmm. to, like, feel your body. Like, not necessarily sex. Oh, sex no. is great. But When I'm you get saying, older, you start to learn that yeah, touch doesn't necessarily, necessarily mean, mean sex. sex. Right. Exactly. Right. So, it's just, if I don't, if we're mad at each other, I'll give you an example. If we're mad at each other, we're so distant. Because she'll sit on that side of the couch, and I'll sit on this side of the couch. Mm-hmm. When we're good with each other... We're in the middle of the couch holding each other. She might be laying on my lap. We might be watching a movie together, but there's mm-hmm. physical touch. Even if she's sitting beside me, her toes might be touching mine. And those are just little things that I love. Yeah. That's my. That's one of my love languages. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. So you feel like you have multiple? Oh, for sure. Okay. okay. I don't really... I'm not a really big gift person now anyway. I'm not a material person in I the feel first like, place. I feel like that's something... Well, there are older people that love gifts. Yeah, don't yeah, get me yeah. wrong. But I feel like... But gifts, as you get older, you start to shift. Oh, like you're sure. shifting because you understand how important family I've is. I've also learned that gifts doesn't necessarily mean like I got to go and buy you the most expensive watch or like a purse or something like that. Mm-hmm. A gift can be like, oh, I thought about you today, so I brought you food. Right. A gift could be like, oh, I thought about you today, so I seen some flowers on the side of the road, so I picked mm-hmm. them and brought them for you. Right. Those are gifts. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean like I'm going to buy you something, but just the fact that you're thinking of me and you're bringing something to me. It's a means thoughtfulness. Exactly. Right. So that's where it stands. Um, another part and one last thing I would say is communicate. Communicate, communicate, communicate. Big, big, big Which thing. Which I am still trying to do up until this day. We are not I, perfect. I struggle <laughs> with communication. Um, but... I feel that I'm a much better communicator now than I once was. I thought that I was very, like, I reserved a lot. I held back a lot. I think in prior relationships, I was just to give, you know, like, oh, yeah, she needs that, so I'll give it to her. But now it's like, oh, do you really think she needs that? And I'll 
actually have a conversation. Like, I don't really think you need this right now. I think that you can do without it. And we'll have a conversation about it. So communicating between partners and making sure that we're taking care of each other is key if you're not communicating man then you know the communication doesn't stop there because i've known you for a long time and i think you're an excellent communicator however (laughs) i've never been in a relationship with you to know what what you're like when there's an issue so i believe and i want to encourage people that are excellent communicators uh at their work uh with friends like outside of your relationship yeah Bring it into your relationship exactly. because not that's not threatening at all. I know that there's some partners that are so opposite of each other where one's the communicator and one is the shutdown yeah. person. Um, I think it's super important that you bring your communication skill in your relationship to be able to flow through what the issues are. Because if we're, if we're able to stop, think, speak, as yeah. opposed to speak, speak. think, maybe talk about it <laughs> like, like yeah. we're we're not going to be able to get to a good place in our relationship and it and those are the things that don't stand the test of time like we all complain sometimes that our relationships are not like you know the past like like our grandparents yeah, that yeah. were able to stay together for 60 plus years yeah, yeah. not necessarily saying that things were perfect then but they were able to communicate to be able to say we ain't leaving each other yeah, yeah, yeah. we're gonna ride this out and we're gonna get through this so i'm hoping that you know a lot of us young folk and millennials uh, generation z all of us <laughs> are trying to um get to a place where we can communicate and stay communicative exactly. and we're we're not like Picking and choosing and cherry picking when is the best, best time. time? Exactly. So yeah, I, I agree. Communication's key, and that literally is like, aside from trust, trust is a big thing. But communication in a relationship is the biggest thing. And hoping that you know all of you listeners are working towards communicating with your partner as best as possible because that's how y'all will last, right? Man, it's not an easy <laughs> job. I tell you it's that not. much. I know it's not easy because. Early on, I struggled so bad. Like, I don't know where I was in my headspace. I don't know what I was trying to do. As I've gotten older, though, as I've gotten, you been with my, you know, partner for so long, it's just like, this is the person you're riding with. So mm-hmm. this is the person you're going to have to talk to for the rest of your life. Get, get over the pride well part. Just, you know, right. like, let loose and be vulnerable. I think being vulnerable is so key in a relationship. Like, there's nothing wrong with being vulnerable. I think if you're not vulnerable, that's where your relationship won't last because right. you, the woman always seems to be a little bit more vulnerable than the guy. Yeah. Which I'll 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 stand with that. So a guy needs to learn that, you know, letting your guard down a little bit so that your girl can actually see who you truly are mm-hmm. makes it your relationship ten times better because now she's not guessing, you know. She's actually like, Oh, I know how this nigga is, you know what I'm saying? Like he gonna do this because you know, and it just makes the relationship roll as mm-hmm. opposed to stomp, you know, like we're all always like at each other's throat. You know, you want to, you want balance. You want it to be ups and downs because that's all that life is. It's ups and downs. The point is you guys go through it together. together. That's exactly. where the communication comes exactly. in. Exactly. Okay. Well, thank you for that. I think that that's a really important thing that we all stick to communication and making sure that it's staying consistent in our relationship. But as we're coming to the end of the show, before we go, all of my guests make sure that they let me know their favorite song. (laughs) So this is the listen up portion of the show. And uh, the listen up portion is having the guests choose a song that best describes their vibe energy right now in their life and career. Matthew, what would you say is your song right now or songs? There's two songs that I'm listening to 
on a constant basis. Okay. One song is Nipsey Hustle, Mark My Words. Ooh. Yeah, featuring Rick Ross. This song is amazing. I honestly, honestly, ever, ever since he died, I think that I became, like, I always was a Nipsey fan. But mm-hmm. not as big as I am now. I'm actually so much more of a Nipsey fan now. I've listened mm-hmm. to his music and I really get to understand that he was really for positive and affirmative action. He really wanted us as a community to stand up and do better for ourselves. Right. Yes, he was a hood guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was a hood nigga. So yeah. Fuck. That's how he's going to come off. But he, his mental, the way he talks, the way he... Man, he's just... Man, RP the nip, man, straight up, cause yeah, that one was sad. He was v- advanced, you know like, so he was advanced, far, and he he was advanced from time. It wasn't even like he was advanced; like he just started learning. He was advanced from when he was a younger youth, you know. So mm-hmm. it's like you actually well, just, people seen it in him. You know him. what I'm saying? So you actually listen to him and see what he's the direction he was going in, and like, man, you know, that's a real one. Um, a next song I'm listening to right now is Lupe Fiasco Murals. It's an old song. Yeah, I love that song. Um, it's like eight minutes long. <laughs> but he's just, honestly, like, there's some bars in there that is just, like, flies right over your head. And then there's some bars in there that it's, like... Now, are either of these songs hype songs for you? Or are they, like, more of a conscious put-me-in-my-mind my type of songs? Um, Both of them are kind of grind songs. Like, for me, they're, like, yo, let's get to it. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like it's these a push are the first songs to be honest with you, those are probably the first two songs I'm listening to in the morning. Okay. Yeah, every morning. For the last like three two months, I would say. Okay. I've been listening to these songs on 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 and then whatever else is in my See universe talking to you. Yeah, and then whatever else is in the playlist just goes on. But those two songs I gotta listen to for sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, good. We we all need to make sure that we have some sort of mantra or mm-hmm. songs that we're listening to to constantly push us. If we're one of those people that don't want to listen to ourselves for some reason, <laughs> <laughs> we have so many artists with such amazing talent. We have so many creatives in the world that are able to push us. So I encourage all of the listeners to make sure that you guys have some sort of mantra, some sort of song that would be able to push you in the morning as you do, Matthew, or uh, being able to turn on for you to just get you in the mood immediately for you to be able to push and move forward towards your goal. But as we're closing the show now is my favorite part when I get to know what you are doing next. So (laughs) let us know what you do right now and what you're working towards and what we can look for in the future from you. Um, Right now I am working on my podcast. It's called North of the Rack. North of the Rack. It's um, a basketball. It's all about basketball, the NBA in particular. Um, we're oh, gonna, you'll have some lovers. Yeah, we're going to go over uh, highlights and um, just discussions and game-by-game game analysis. And, like, the same thing you guys watch with anybody else. But it's coming from, like, a perspective of, like, an actual fan. Somebody that's been watching ball for, like, mm-hmm. his whole life. Loves ball from top to bottom. Like, Is this just your show or do you have co-hosts? I have co-hosts. Okay. Um, shout out T, shout out Books. Okay. Yeah, uh, they're definitely going to be working on it with me and doing their thing. Um, okay. But it's pretty much um, a collective coming together. It was my idea initially that came from somebody else that kind of gave me the idea that I should be doing this from time. Mm-hmm. And I, I honestly, I like I said, once the pandemic hit, I said, okay, let's make this shit happen because I think this there's no time like now to right. actually start Absolutely. driving your shit in the right direction. So. I was like, all right, let's get this shit going, and everybody's on board, and we'll see how 
maybe in the next oh um we're gonna start recording in the next two weeks so once we start doing that nice three weeks we'll have the first episode out online okay well Um, we are at a place right now where i'm sure your episode is going to air before this show airs so um this show is meant to come out the second week of august so I'm going to make sure that I put out the link for you guys and you listen to Matthew and, and his collective's um, episode. Is there a group name or this is just North of the Rack team? Yeah, North team. of the Rack, yeah, okay. the Rack podcast. Um, okay. Um, she'll have the email and all that stuff. Um, my uh, my personal Instagram is Maddie underscore N-O-T-R. Mm-hmm. And then everybody else's information will be in that. Well, we'll make sure that we put it in the link in the episode so you guys will be able to have that clickable content to be able to just connect with Matthew on the ones or with the collective team. If you're a ball lover, follow, follow, follow. (laughs) Uh, uh, All criticism, uh, constructive criticism is best criticism to me. Honestly, any way to make that show better is my goal. Mm -hmm. We're going to really tear shit up. That's our goal, so... Well, from Toronto, made in Toronto, we're going to make sure that 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 does blow Mm -hmm. up and you guys make sure you support all, uh, you know... Anything that we do here in Toronto, I'm hoping that we do become a culture that we're, we love all and we support all because exactly. we're, we're not moving right right now, Toronto, sometimes. <laughs> so we need to be able to support all of our endeavors, all of our, um, you know, experiences that we're all collectively um, doing together and experiencing together. So make sure you guys support and make sure you click the content that will be available in the episode description to be listening to North of the Rack. So again, thank you so much oh, for coming it, through appreciate and chopping it, it up friend. with us. It's been an amazing conversation with you. And if you guys want to connect with Matthew on the ones, you heard his Instagram. It'll be available in the the episode description as well. Um, and as well as his podcast that you'll be able to listen to. First couple of episodes should be available now. So thank you so much once again for coming. And I look forward to all of your endeavors that you're you're creating for yourself and thank you so much for teaching some young black men mm-hmm. and the black men out there about opportunity versus chance yeah, and love, you know love. being a you're being a father know. in the pandemic you already know it's been love. it's been amazing so of course you got to do this again for sure absolutely <laughs> you gotta do this i think again. that there's a there's there's going to be a couple talks soon guys oh. <laughs> it's going to be scary but yeah. we're going to do it yeah, sure. <laughs> but yes thank you so much for coming through right, and we'll no do problem. this again and there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Matthew, it was an honor to have you once again. Um, you know, it's an amazing platform to be able to just have a conversation, authentic, genuine, organic. And I want to continue to have a conversation with Black men of Toronto and just Black men, period, and hearing their thoughts, their processes, their fears, um, just their transparency. And I'm really appreciative of all that support the platform. I also want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at SDAT Radio Podcast and join our Facebook group for the latest updates on episodes and guests and their contact information. If you have a question, you can submit comments under the episode on the podcast platform that you're listening to. You also have the option to leave us a digital voice message through our anchor platform. All followable links and clickable content are provided in our episode description. And if you like the content that you're hearing, support our podcast by clicking the link in our description to support our show by providing a small donation to keep us going. Thank you for rocking with us and tune in next week and every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Peace. Star Radio.